All right. Is that better? Okay. I'm glad you could hear me because I got some bad things to say, and I want I want you to hear me. Okay. Uh, my message tonight is battling discouragement, and uh, all of us have that, you know. And I was going to say, uh, just having a brother like this is discouraging. It it really is. I mean, it really is bad, you know. Uh, the, the good part about him, he's got a really nice wife. <laughs> No, I love my brother. He and I have been close all of our lives. And uh, so we, I love my brother and I uh, love all my family, of course. But I'm glad to have them here with us tonight. And many of you that I know, I'm glad you've come to see us. And uh, so we want to get right into the message tonight. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 10. And I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to do like those rocks. You know, you throw over the pond and go. Choo, 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 choo. Yeah. I'm going to just do that with this outline because I'm going to have to. Brother Morton will shoot me if I, if I go over 57 minutes. So, <laughs> so anyway, we're going to talk about battling discouragement. You know, seriously, it's a bad problem among uh, the people of the world and also among Christians, among Christians. A lot of Christians get discouraged very easily. And there are reasons for that. And I'm going to mention some of those reasons. Let's go to verse 22. I said my message, I start with verse 17, but let's skip down to verse 22. Is it... Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Deuteronomy 10 and uh, verse uh, 22. I was going to start with 17, but we'll skip down. Verse 22, the fathers went down into Egypt with three score and ten persons. That's not very many people, is it? But then it says, and now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. So here we have a discouraging situation, and then we have a glorious situation. And you know, when you're discouraged, that's what God does. He takes your discouragement and he changes it into something that you can use for his glory. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. So they went down in there with 70 people and then God made a number that nobody could number, you know. And so I'm glad to know that. We're going to uh, sort of direct our attention on that. And I have some, uh, some points here if you all want to, all these uh, brother uh, Jones, I have a sermon for the next time he preaches, Okay. <laughs> All right, first of all, the criteria for discouragement. Why, why are we discouraged? The criteria. First of all, you might be discouraged if you were born. I mean, that's a reason to be discouraged. The Bible says in Job 14, 1, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Now, none of us would disagree with that, would we? No, the trouble's right around the corner. It's everywhere we go, there's trouble, you know. And... Uh, so some of us have more than others do, of course, and we have to handle those things, and it discourages us when those troubles come. And quickly, the second thing is, you might be married. Yeah, discouragement. You might be married. Now listen to this. It says in Luke 14, 20, and another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Using his wife as an excuse. You know, you know my wife used me as an excuse one time. In Cincinnati, she was called over to the Cincinnati courthouse to, uh, to be a witness in a murder trial. And she was going to serve on the, on the jury. And so she went over there. And the man told me, he said, well, and I had my three little boys with me. And uh, so the man said, well, she'll be here at least half a day, maybe more. And so we go out, you know, and we, we go around the town. We go over to this little chili parlor and we ate chili and... When we just enjoying everything, you know, it was wonderful. And so we go back, mosey back to the courthouse, you know, walked in there, and there she is sitting there. And she is upset. 
Oh, she is really upset. I said, what happened? What's going on? Why are you so upset? She said, I wasn't in there 30 seconds. I said, what? She said, they asked if there's anybody here that had an excuse not to be on this jury. And she said, my husband is a preacher, and I don't know where he's going to be. I don't know if he's going to move to Mexico or California or, or where he's going to be. And he's always gone on, on revival meetings and stuff, and I just don't think I can do it. And they said, well, just get out of here. I mean, you think I'm not important, you know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so I married a wife and can't come. Use her as an excuse. But you know, sometimes marriages do get into the position of discouragement, don't they? Yeah, sometimes they get really bad. And we need the Lord to get us out of that. And then you might have children. Ah, boy, there they are. You know, there's those kids. Psalm 127, verse 3, Lo, children are inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. But, Proverbs 10, 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is a heaviness to his mother. Now, you all, your mom has never said this to you, I'm sure. But my mom said, if I've told you once, I've told you a hundred times. And I know she didn't tell me a hundred times because I counted them and there was only 57. So I know she wasn't telling the truth. You know, but she told me that a lot. If I've told you once, I've told you a hundred times. And uh, so I remember one time we were over at Morgan School and, and we, we did something or didn't do something. I can't remember what it was. We were like, like my, my brother and I about close to seven years old so. And we came home, my mom said, well, I said, if that ever happened, whatever it was, can't remember. She said, I promised I'd give you a whipping. And, and it was wintertime, we had these big heavy coats on. She said, you better leave your coat on because I'm really going to whip you. And she whipped us with a little switch with that big old heavy coat on, and she got tickled. And, uh, but, you know, I know she got upset with us sometimes. I know she did. But, you know, discouragement in our children uh, can be really bad. But God can help us through that. And then, money problems. Now, there's not anybody here, I'm sure, has any money problems. Uh, I mean, what is money, right? We don't even know what it is, right? Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 5. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an angel toward heaven. Well, we know that. First of the month, it just goes, it's gone. You know? And uh, so somebody said the other day, uh, he was, or this morning, my missionary was there, and he said he was talking to this certain preacher, and, and he said, how are you doing? He said, well, I'm doing all right now because it's almost the end of the month. He said, first of the month, I get really down because I'm trying to get that money to go uh, far enough to pay all the bills, you know. But we can get discouraged with money. You know, some people have committed the suicide because of money situations, and, and uh, people have to go bankrupt and all kinds of stuff like that can really be discouraged. Life is like that, you know. And uh, so we can't put our trust in money, but the Lord can help us out of those things. Well, here's one. You might be a preacher. Now, nobody knows about this except preachers. I've been pastor of this church, same church, for 35 years. And I could tell you some stories, but he won't give me enough time, so I'm not going to tell you all those stories about all the discouraging things we've gone through there at First Baptist Church. Now, I know you, some of your members here at Berry Baptist Church, and I know there have been times, you know, I was a pastor over at Riverview here for two years, and, uh, you know, we had times when we had a little discouragement, little disagreements, you know, and all that kind of thing, and, uh, but uh, preachers, preachers go through a lot of that, they really do, because the members, they really put the preacher through the mill. When I first went to the First Baptist Church, there was an old deacon there, 
And you know, that's, that's who it always is, Brother Morton. It's an old deacon somewhere, you know. And boy, he put me through the mill. I'd say something in the pulpit, and he'd challenge me. He'd say, now you said that. Are you sure the Bible says that? And where does the Bible say that? And blah, blah, blah. And he'd take me out to eat so he could get me where he wanted me, you know. And he'd say, now, I want to understand. And I'd say, well, now, did you ever think about this? And he'd say, oh. And that went on for like two or three years. And then, all of a sudden, he sort of turned around. And I was there many years. And he came close to his death. He and I became very, very close friends. And... I, I, I guarantee you, anything I said, he thought was gospel. Because I mean, no matter what I said, he thought it was gospel. Uh, because the Lord can take care of those things. You know, you know what I mean? Now, secondly, the cause of discouragement. Well, I'm just going to mention these real quick. We could talk about each one. Illness. Illness will cause you to be uh, discouraged. Um, chastisement. God's chastisement. You know, if God is chastening you and you don't know why and you don't find out why, it can really depress you. It can really have a toll on you. Hebrews 12, 11 says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I don't know anybody who loves a whipping. You know anybody who loves a whipping? I don't. I don't. Uh, but it says it's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And so your mom gives you a whipping and you don't like her, you know, you don't like the situation. But tomorrow, she's your mom, and you love her. Sure. When God whips you, boy, he puts you in tears, and there's mourning for the night. Uh, mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, but in the morning, there's joy. The next day, there's joy, because you know God's done his, his job, and it works out really well. Laziness, Proverbs 19:15. slothfulness, Casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Are you lazy? I walked by, I, I, I drove by in the drive-thru at McDonald's this morning, and uh, they had so many new people, I, did, I, I hardly knew where I was. <clears throat> the one lady that I knew, and I gave her my money, I said, what's going on here? She said, well, either we have to let people go, or they're walking out the door. All the time. I said, Yeah. You know, and of course we blame everything, everything on the young people, don't we? Everything, everything is due to the young people. I said, these young people today, they just, they won't work. They won't do anything. I know better than that. There are some that really work hard. I have a, I have a grandson. He works hard, and he's doing well because he's working hard. And I told my boys and my grandchildren, if you'll work, you can get a job, and you can make money. And so, anyway, laziness will cause you discouragement. And then, pride. And if you just want to jot down, I'm going to give several and just give you the passage so we won't have time to read them. Uh, pride, Proverbs 29, 23. And then lust. We don't need to go into that. We all know what that is. 1 Peter 2 and verse 11, along with 1 Peter 4, 3, if you can write those down real quick. Hard labor will discourage you. I was talking to a guy <clears throat> the other day, and he was talking about his, his uh, grandpa working down in the coal mines down in Kentucky and uh, died with black lung and all that and how hard he worked and everything. And that's discouraging. And they made a little, very little money. Didn't have much to eat, you know. Those people were poor. And then high expectations, you know. I want, I want, I want. That'll discourage you, you know. If you want something, you can't get it. It'll discourage you, you know. And uh, Isaiah 20 and verse 5. And then the responsibility of a Christian life, First Peter 1, 17. And I'm not going to go into uh, all of those. 
Number three, the curse of discouragement. Well, an illness, not only can illness discourage you, but it can also uh, make you ill. Discouragement can make you ill. Did you know that? If you worry, it'll make you ill. Yeah. My oldest brother, uh, my mom used to tell, tell him, said, uh, you worry about everything. And if you don't have anything to worry about, you worry because you don't have anything to worry about. You know, there are some people like that. You know, I don't think that was true of him, but she, she told him that because he's worried about something. And, uh, but it'll make you sick. Yeah, the curse, the curse of discouragement. Uh, blaming and questioning God. When you get discouraged, you'll begin to say, well, God didn't mean what he said because I prayed for this and God didn't give that to me and, and so I, I'm blaming God. It's God's fault that I didn't get that. Don't you ever do that. That's a very serious and dangerous thing to do. God does what he wants to do. And no man can stay his hand or say to him, what doest thou? He does everything he wants to do and that's all he does, what he wants to do. So you might want to change your prayer life. You know you've heard prayer changes things. You've heard that all your life probably, most of you. On, I put on Facebook a couple days ago, prayer changes me. And somebody had to put on there, prayer changes me, but it also changes things. And I wanted to answer and I didn't. I said, no, I'm not going to argue about that. But prayer does not change things. God changes things. Prayer changes me. You know what it'll do if you'll pray about things, you ask the Lord, what do you want me to have? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? You pray to the Lord and get those things because if you don't, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to get sick, literally sick. And then quitting. The curse of discouragement. It'll cause you to quit. You know, anybody can do that. Anybody can quit. Except when you have a real bad call for eight weeks and then you can't quit. Because I, I had a call back last year for eight weeks. I couldn't get rid of that call to save my life. But you know what I'm talking about. Quit. I just give up. I don't care. You know, life's not worth living. I have a son that has a little bipolar problem, and he, once in a while he'll get like that. Well, the world's just too bad. I just, I just can't go on. I just, you know. And I said, well, son, go lie down and wait till tomorrow. It'll all be better. No, 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 no. Well, tomorrow he's on cloud nine, you know. So you know how that goes. And so it'll cause you to quit. You know what? It'll quit you to cause, quit church. Yeah, it'll cause you to quit tithing. Yeah. It'll cause you to quit reading your Bible. Yeah. It'll cause you to quit witnessing to people. Yeah. It'll cause you to quit loving your wife or husband. It'll cause you to be mean to your children. It'll cause a lot of things. Yeah. And you'll quit being what you ought to be. And then human answers. The curse of discouragement, human answers. Galatians 4, 9 says, But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. See, we don't really know him. He knows us. Did you know that? We don't know who God is, but he knows who we are. We can study all our lives. We'll never find out who God is because he's bigger than we are. All we can do is learn as much as we can and know as much as we can, but we know, we'll never know him. Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll know him. I know we'll know him better. But now I don't know whether we'll know him or not. But I know we know him in a relationship. I know that. But anyway, it says, uh, How turn ye again to the, uh, to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Human answers. Uh, well, God can't do it, so I'm going to do it myself. You know, I'm going to work this out myself. Or most of the time we work it out ourselves first and find out we can't do it, and then we go begging God for help, you know. Oh, God, help me because, you know, that's too big for me. Well, that's true. And then scorn. It'll make you be scornful. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things after knowing the truth and turning from it, it'll cause you to scorn the truth. 
We had a young fellow in our church that didn't like what I was preaching. And he was raised in a church, and he knew the, the truth of that. And he left the church. And somebody that knew him got a tape from him and gave it to me, and he was preaching. And he said, everything that I heard from First Baptist Church from, from Pastor Ronnie Wolf is, is wrong. I'm telling you, I don't believe a bit of that stuff. He, he knew it. He understood it. He, quote, unquote, believed it, and he left it. What did he do? He scorned it. Be careful about turning away from what you think you believe. Check it out first. What your preacher preaches, check it out first. Go home and read the scriptures and see if he's telling you the truth. If he is, you better hold on to it. Don't you let it go, even if it offends you. I heard a man on the radio the other day, and, and it's true. There are certain doctrines you just don't like. And he said, you know, I didn't like it. But I kept reading and reading my Bible, and I knew it was true, but I didn't like it. I didn't even like God about it. But he said, I knew it had to be true. He said, it took me years to really like the doctrine because I knew it was true. You know, the truth will set you free. Did you know that? And then death. Did you know that discouragement will bring death? It will. Just write down 1 Samuel 4, 18. We won't go any farther into that. Eli, you know, Eli heard about the death of his son, and uh, he fell, fell down and broke his neck and died. You know, you know why? He was discouraged. It affected him. Don't let things affect you like that. God's in control. We're not in control. And don't be offended at everything. I get so aggravated at people that they're so offended about everything. You said something I don't believe. Well, you said something I don't believe too. Just now. You know, <laughs> you know I'm offended too. You know, we all get offended. Don't get offended. Just go on and live your life and serve the Lord. You know, we're not here to please people. We're here to please the Lord. All right, number four, the comfort from discouragement. We'll just um, touch on that. John 16, 33. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Don't ever forget Jesus has overcome the world. Now I've got a whole bunch of scriptures there, and if you want them, uh, I'll give them to you later if you want to. But in conclusion, I want to read 1 Peter 2, 3. But ye are a chosen generation. Does that encourage you? God chose you. You're his because he chose you. Out from the world. And he sanctified you, set you outside the world. You don't belong in the world. Your citizenship's in heaven if you're saved by God's grace. If you've trusted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, repented of your sins, and believe he died in your place on the cross and went to the grave and resurrected the third day, you belong to him and you're his child. And there's nothing that can ever change that, ever. He adopted you into his family. And you can't change that. It says you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That means special that you should show forth the praises of him and so on. And then, of course, we have that old song, and we need to sing it often, God will take care of you. Now, let me close by reading some statistics. 40% worry about things that they can do nothing about. 40% of it, and I don't know how they know that, how they know these percentages, but this is some, I, I don't trust statistics anyway, but I, I think they're interesting. 30% worry about things that have already happened. 12% worry about circumstances they have created, which I was supposed to. And then 10% worry about things they invented in their minds. I've done that, I'm sure, and you have too. 8% have valid reason to worry. Now, I think it's lower than that. So 
of things we need not worry about, and 8% God can deal with us. Uh, the Bible says, be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't get discouraged. Promise me? Will you do that? Don't get discouraged. Doesn't matter what happens. God's, got, uh, God's in control, and he'll handle that whole situation. In the world, you will have tribulation. Not you might, you will. But you know, Christ has overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you now for the time we've had to discuss this important subject. Many people are discouraged today. It seems like our whole uh, nation is discouraged about one thing or another. Help us, Lord, not to fall into that pitfall to where we'll be discouraged about serving you, but that we'll be encouraged in the Lord and we'll continue to witness for you and serve you. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Brother Morton.